19. So next time we see you guys, it's going to be January 8th. We're going to have our January encounter with Pastor Cassie. So I just want to remind you guys to invite people to that. Make sure that you show up, but make sure you bring some friends too, because I want to meet even more of your friends next year than I already have. I'm so proud of you every single time that you guys bring somebody. Trust me, I see your bravery, and I feel so proud that you would reach out and that you care about your friends enough to try and bring them to a place where they can meet Jesus. So it's a big deal to do that, I know, but I want to encourage you to do that next year because I can also tell you there's nothing quite as fun as seeing God move like in the lives of your friends and bringing them into God's family is just a really cool privilege and a cool thing to get to do. So be here January 8th. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all that good stuff. Tonight, we're going to finish our called out series. I feel like I might be just a little sloppy tonight only because I'm really excited and I know a lot of stuff is going to come out of my heart. So if I trip over my words or like, like I'm ever really that polished, I'm not. But if I'm a little less tonight, just hang in there with me and know that this is genuine and it's coming from my heart. But last week we talked about being called out and the, the fact that every single one of us has a calling. So that's really the easy part, right? We don't have to do anything. We're born. God is gracious. Boom, we're called. You know, we can't brag about that. We didn't earn it. It's automatic. We have it. But that's God's responsibility. Responsibility. I shouldn't have confessed that over myself because here we go. The, the calling on your life is God's responsibility. So that's the easy part. Walking that calling out is our responsibility, and that's what I want to talk to you about tonight because you are called, God has called you, but there are requirements that you have to meet to walk in your calling. And the first verse we're going to look at tonight is in Ephesians chapter 4. And I don't know why, this is one of my like favorite scriptures. It has been for years. It's kind of an odd favorite scripture, but I just find it really encouraging. It says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, that's not the encouraging part, <laughs> beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And I think this is one of my favorite verses because I just really love the way it spells it out. I like to know expectations at work and at school. I want to know what other people are expecting of me so I can deliver. And I love that God lays it out right here. Paul is laying it out, but he's saying, hey, you have got to walk worthy of your calling. Lead a life that's worthy of your calling. This is the requirement for you to walk in your calling. And that's to live a life that's worthy of it, to walk worthy of your calling. And, you know, I think automatically when we hear that sometimes, we're automatically thinking like, okay, there are things I can do and I can't do, right? There's a to-do list. It has stuff on it like read my Bible, worship, pray, walk in love, blah, blah, blah. And then there's a don't list, right? Like don't watch bad movies and don't get involved in gossip and don't date people who are squirrely and all this stuff. And so many times when we're thinking of like requirements or you know, qualifying for our calling, we, I think we just see these lists and we're seeing, yeah, this is the good stuff and this is the bad stuff. This is the stuff God lets me do. This is the stuff God doesn't let me do. This is the stuff, you know, that I'm supposed to do. This is the stuff that I sometimes want to do. And we're, we're looking at it as, you know, kind of this big task. And I think as humans, we don't really like rules a lot, right? We grow up our whole life starting when we're small, just really hating rules and always being angry about the things that we're told we can't do, right? You guys feel like that? I don't know. I, I know I felt like that before, but I want to encourage you that walking worthy of your calling, it's not about a list of do's and don'ts. And trust me, I used to look at it that way, like hardcore, and I still struggle with that. 
it's my personality a little bit to be black and white and to be legalistic about things. But it's not a list of do's and don'ts, and it's not a list of good things and bad things. Walking worthy is about staying in a place where you can hear God's voice clearly. Because in my life, the way things have played out, I know that that is like the key to walking in my calling is I have to be able to hear God's voice clearly. I have to be able to keep myself in a position to hear from him so that I can know what to do and then do it. And trust me, I don't want to walk in my calling without that. I don't want to stand up here in front of you guys without the ability to hear from God and for him to tell me, hey, you need to pray for Sam today or you need to help Zach in this way today or this is what you need to speak on because this is what they need to hear. I don't want to mess with my calling if I can't hear God's voice. So I'm willing to do what it takes to stay in a position where I can hear what he is saying to me at all times. And that's, I think, the bottom line of walking worthy and of qualifying for my calling. Yes, there are things I shouldn't do and shouldn't be involved in. And yes, there are things that I should do. But the underlying reason for all that is not just a list of rules. It's to say, hey, I'm keeping myself in a place where I'm walking with God and I can hear his voice every day and know what to do and know how to help the people I need to help. And the result of this is that I can be confident in my calling. Trust me, during times in my life where I have, uh, you know, had trouble hearing God's voice, I'm not confident at all. <laughs> I'm not confident in making decisions. I wouldn't be confident standing up here speaking to you guys. I wouldn't be confident trying to give you guys advice. Without God's voice, I cannot have confidence in my calling because I've got to have that. But when I can hear his voice and when I have kept myself in a place to hear him clearly, I can step out here in confidence knowing that this isn't, this isn't Morgan bringing you a message tonight. This is me sharing what God has said to speak to you. These are God's words. This is God's message. So I can be confident and it's not a prideful thing because it didn't come from me I can never brag gosh I don't understand people who brag about their calling first of all it's not like you came up with it second of all if you're doing it right that's not your stuff anyway you're giving away it's God's it's God's words and his power and his information so it keeps me humble too because I know I cannot do this without God I can't do what I'm called to do without him I've got to be able to hear his voice when I can I'm confident, and when I'm not, I'm insecure because I can't walk it out without his daily instruction. You know what I'm saying? I hope this is making sense. But two things I've noticed that have really impacted my ability to hear God's voice the most is, number one, praying in tongues, which I'm not really going to touch on that tonight. I've talked about it a lot. You guys already know that one time I was like, God, I can't hear you speak. And I was praying in tongues like two minutes every week, so it wasn't hard to figure out. I needed to pray in tongues more and wake my spirit up so that I could hear God. So that's the first one, but that one's just, you know, kind of obvious. I think the second thing, though, that has really made an impact on my ability to hear God is living holy. And I think holiness is a word we don't really use a lot anymore. You know, sometimes in our modern church, we're trying to, like, update it and, and use words that are more relatable. But I really want to focus on holiness tonight. It's kind of an old school term, but, man, it's just so impactful. And just that idea of, of walking holy and living right has kept me so in line with being able to hear God's voice that it's astounding. I mean, it's, it's just impacted every area of my life. So in looking at that, I want to take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. In verse 1, say it. Oh, look at the snow. I love it. It says, Beloved ones, with promises like these, and because of our deepest respect and worship of God, 
We must remove everything from our lives that contaminates our body and our spirit and continue to complete the development of holiness within us. So if you're wanting a definition for walking holy, being holy and and walking in holiness means we must remove everything from our lives that contaminates our body and spirit. And, you know, that might bring us back to that list of do's and don'ts, but it's really easy to observe the rules when you understand why they're there. When I'm saying, hey, you know, don't watch this movie, it's got X, Y, Z in it. It's not just because I'm saying you shouldn't watch that movie and trying to be no fun. It's saying, no, that's going to contaminate my mind and my spirit, and it's going to make it harder for me to hear God's voice. It's going to contaminate some of that holiness that is, you know, placed in us by God, and it will be harder to hear him. There's a reason behind all these things, and I was listening to somebody. I can't even remember who it was, was preaching, and I thought this was so crazy. You know, they were talking about the Bible describing the angels in the throne room, and I think if you had asked me really before I heard this, if you had said, like, what's the uh, most striking feature of God, or like, what is the most striking component of him, I would have probably said love, because that's super impactful. The Bible tells us God is love. What's, you know, the biggest takeaway from him is that he, he is love. He's a loving being. But this preacher was saying, the Bible tells us that angels, as they fly around the throne, they say, holy, 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 as if that's all they can say in response to seeing God. They're not saying like, whoa, you're super loving. You look like love. They're saying, man, you're holy. Like that's their response to seeing God is saying, you're holy. You are holy. You are holy. Like that's his biggest attribute is his holiness and his purity. And if we want to walk closely with the holy God, we've got to be holy. The Bible tells us light and darkness, they don't mix. I can't bring my sin into the presence of a holy God. Now I can ask for forgiveness. Don't go crazy with this, but I can't walk closely with him and hear his voice every day unless my holiness is lining up with his because that's his biggest attribute. He is holy. He is a clean God. He is a pure God. He's a just God. He's holy. So I want to encourage you guys as we go into this new year, let God tighten you up, if I can say it that way. He'll do it if you ask him. Uh, I think I had shared a while back that I knew my assignment going into 2019 was to pray more than I had ever prayed in my life. And something that was cool that came out of that that I I didn't really realize was going to happen was that the more I prayed, the more I felt drawn to pray. So I would sit down to turn on the TV and I would just feel like, nope, I got to go pray. Or I would, you know, go to, I don't know, just if I'd be sitting there wasting time on my phone or on social media or whatever, and it would come up in me, nope, you need to go pray. Put your phone down and go pray. And through all that prayer, God really just tightened me up. And it's not that I was intentionally watching things that were bad or listening to things that were bad, but when I would sit down to watch something, you know, God would call me to pray or call me to read my Bible. And I think the result was that he was He was showing me how to walk in a way that was even more holy. I wasn't intentionally doing bad things, but I realized those things, you know, they're putting something in me whether I realize it or not, and they're not putting something in me that's of God. Don't go crazy with this the other way. I'm not saying you can't ever watch TV or be on social media, but it was just a byproduct for me this year of of spending extra time in prayer. God just began to tighten me up and say, hey, what are you using your time for? You know, when I turned on the radio instead of a worship album, he was saying, hey, what are you using your time for? What's going into you right now? Like, 
What is this doing for you? You're going to spend this 15-minute drive to work listening to the radio. It's just full of nothing, you know. What, what are you using your time for? What are you putting in yourself? So God has been teaching me this year, hey, you've got to live holy. But here's the really, really cool part. Man, I have heard God's voice more clearly than I ever have in my entire life this year. I've heard it more frequently and more regularly in my, you know, just everyday life than I ever had. But I know that I've also been able to help people better. You know, God has spoken to me about people and had me pray for people. He wasn't doing that before. He wanted to, but I wasn't putting myself in a place where I could hear that and receive that from him. And when I had a couple hours free on a Saturday, I would watch TV instead of spend it in prayer. And when I started spending it in prayer, all of a sudden God started speaking to me. And I was just like, woof. Like it was, it was so cool. I don't know how to describe it, except it was just on a different level. Like there's hearing God speak and like being led by the inward witness. And, you know, I feel like I should do this or I feel like I shouldn't. But to hear God speak like a specific word was so cool. And it just really taught me to to view God as my best friend. Like he's not just a being or he's not just something vague. No, he can speak to me really clearly just like you can. And he can say, Morgan, do A, B, C. I don't have to just rely on like an Edward Witness feeling or I don't have to solely rely on the word of God. I can get very specific instructions, but I can also get really specific info about you guys to pray for you, and I and I love that. I don't mean to sound like weird. God's not telling me weird things about you, but he might speak to me and say, hey, you need to pray for Joshua today, and I'll pray for Joshua. You know, it's, it's just so cool uh, for God to be able to use you that way, and it's blown my mind how that went just from zero to 100 only by me walking in more holiness and paying more attention to what I was doing with my time. It didn't really take that much effort, and I think it's sad that so many times we're forfeiting that just for the sake of entertainment. Like, I wasn't even doing anything cool or fun. Like, watching TV is so lame. Do you guys realize we're like the binge generation, and how embarrassing. (laughs) Like, we're known. I'm going to ask you guys what you did over Christmas break, and you're going to be like, I watched seven seasons of this. You know, like, we all do it. I'm not putting you down. We are the binging generation. And that, man, it's causing us to miss out on so much more than we realize. Because sometimes you can say, well, you know, there are statistics saying people your age are technically, like, getting into less trouble these days. Uh, They're not out doing drugs as much. They're not out sleeping around as much. They're not going to parties they shouldn't. Technically, the behavior of your generation is better than it previously was. However... You guys know the depression and anxiety is so much worse. And I think that's so related to what we do with our time. You know, if I spend a whole Saturday watching TV, I'm in the worst mood by the end of it. I I, I can't even enjoy it. I want to enjoy it. Like, my brain is kind of engaged. But at the end of it, I feel so gross. I feel super depressed. And when I begin to cut all that stuff out of my life, it made a huge impact on the depression that tried to come against me. Personally, I was astounded. When I spend my day now like reading and praying, I can't tell you how good I feel at the end of it versus the days that I would spend laying on the couch doing nothing, just doing nothing. We're giving up so much, such a vibrant relationship with God for the sake of a TV show, you know, and we all do it. So please don't feel put down, but we waste so much time 
with our TVs and on social media, and none of that matters. Literally nothing comes out of that. And what's more, we're putting things in us that we're, we're not even realizing. You know, when you get in that zone or even when you're on your phone, you know it's so easy just for 40 minutes to go by. And if you stop and think about what did I just put in myself for 40 minutes, it's crazy, you know, it's so much time goes into that. But if we can redirect that and start saying, God, how can I tighten my life up? Where are some areas that I can spend more time with you? I feel so busy, but really, I'm just not prioritizing my time. I'm just using up my free time with other things that I think will make me relax or, you know, contribute to self-care or, like, help me rest on this Saturday. When the true rest is found in our relationship with God, how can you tighten things up for next year? Where can you spend more time with God? Because I just can't even tell you. I wish I could accurately describe how that has impacted my life this year. And, of course, these were things that I already knew, but it is so easy just to zone out and watch TV at the end of a long day. And it's so easy to be on your phone for an hour. Those things capture our attention so quickly and waste our time without us even realizing that the time is passing. So let's wake ourselves up and say, what can I do with my time? Because... The bottom line is the things that we watch matter. They affect us whether we realize it or not. And the things that we listen to, they matter whether we realize it or not. The people we hang out with, it matters. And, you know, if you really respond to your calling, it's going to affect every single area of your life. Your calling isn't just something that happens at church or something you think about at summer camp or something you're stirred up about when you're hearing a good sermon. Your calling, if you respond fully, will touch every area of your life. And it's going to cause you to live differently. It's going to affect what you watch. When I sit down to watch something, I think about how it affects my calling. Am I called to watch this? And would I sit down and watch this with you guys? And next time I get up to preach, do I want this coming out of me when I'm speaking to them? It affects every area of my life. When I turn on the radio and I start to hear a song, I'm conscious now of what that is doing to me and what it's putting on the inside of me. And I love you guys too much to waste my time doing that like I used to. I, I prioritize my calling too much to, to, you know, just squander it for the sake of entertainment and for the sake of things that don't matter. It's a running joke at work that when someone brings up a TV show or movie, I've never seen it. Never. Literally. They're like, oh, you've seen this? Nope. Oh, you've seen that? Nope. Oh, do you watch this? Nope, never heard of it. Like, I am so out of the loop when it comes to entertainment now, but I don't care because the further away you get from it, the more you realize it doesn't matter and you don't miss it. I don't miss the way it makes me feel. I don't miss that just awful, depressed feeling of having stayed in bed all day watching stuff. Like, you don't miss it. And the Bible tells us, too, I just love that God promises that the reward is always worth the sacrifice. And, you know, sacrificing TV is a small thing and kind of a stupid thing, and we can laugh about it. Um, but sometimes sacrificing relationships, that's not a small thing, and we're not laughing when we have to cut people out of our lives. But God promises the reward will always be worth the sacrifice. And, in fact, when you look back, it makes the sacrifice seem small. When I look back at decisions that I made 10 years ago that were hard, they seem so small now and so trivial because of the goodness that God brings into my life now and the things that I'm able to walk in and experience. So your reward is always, always worth the sacrifice. And I think somebody who shows us that so clearly in the Bible is Mary. And I wish I could talk about Mary every day, but Merry Christmas. Today's the day we're going to talk about Mary. Let's look at Luke chapter 1. 
I just think she's so great. Plus, she was like 13, and I was so lame when I was 13, and she was doing big things. So, <laughs> very impressed with her, 10 out of 10. All right, Luke chapter 1, it says, During the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God's presence to an unmarried girl named Mary, living in Nazareth, a village in Galilee. She was engaged to a man named Joseph, a true descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Grace to you, young woman, for the Lord is with you, and so you are anointed with great favor. And Mary was deeply troubled over the words of the angel and bewildered over what this might mean for her. But the angel reassured her and said, Do not yield to your fear, Mary. I really like that line. It's not what tonight is about. But don't yield to your fear. For the Lord has found delight in you and has chosen to surprise you with a wonderful gift. She probably thought something good and easy was coming, like a new car. That was not the case. You will become pregnant with a baby boy, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be supreme, and he will be known as the son of the highest, and the Lord God will enthrone him as king on his ancestor David's throne. He will reign as a king of Israel forever, and his reign will have no limit. So this is how she responded. She said, questions come up first thing. Don't blame her. Mary said, how could this happen? I'm still a virgin. There's always something to say for being honest. Um, okay, Gabriel answered. I tried to find a different translation, I'm not going to lie, that didn't say the word virgin in it. Because... <laughs> I just thought it might make you guys uncomfortable, but here we are. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I told you guys you were going to get the unfiltered me tonight. Gabriel answered, and he said, The spirit of holiness will fall upon you, and the Almighty God will spread his shadow of power over you in a cloud of glory. This is why the child will be born holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your old Aunt Elizabeth has also become pregnant with a son. The barren one, aren't you glad people don't call you that, is now in her sixth month. Not one promise for God is empty of power, for nothing is impossible with God. Then Mary responded saying, this is amazing. I will be a mother for the Lord. As his servant, I accept whatever he has for me. May everything you have told me come to pass. And the angel left her. So I love to take a look at Mary. That was a long passage, but tis the season for Christmas stories. And, you know, it's easy, I think, for us to look at Mary and not really understand how big of a situation this was and just how impressive her response was to this. It's easy for us to be like, yeah, that would be so cool to be the mother of Jesus. Like, what an honor, what a role, go Mary. It's easy for us to look at that and think like she should have felt honored by this, and the Bible tells us she did, but I don't think that would have been my reaction. You know, people probably started calling her Crazy Mary because if, I love you guys so much, but if anybody came in here, any of the gals came in here with a big old baby belly and tried to tell me that nothing had happened, God would have to speak to me to confirm that, right? None of us would believe them. Your faces are about what I thought they would be. None of us would believe them. If I walked in with a big old belly and tried to tell you how holy I was, no one would believe me. Mary was signing up for people to think she was a nut. 
and a liar. I mean, truly, she was signing up for people to think that's crazy Mary who's trying to act like nothing is happening even though she's having a baby. Her belly's so huge. She was signing up for people to think she was crazy. And sometimes we're worried just because if we don't watch Game of Thrones, we're not going to be able to talk about it at school the next day with everybody or something. You know, Mary was agreeing to be pregnant for the Lord. What a weird statement. And for people to think that she was a liar and a nut. If you legitimately think about that, you're like, dang, Mary, like <laughs> my response would not have been so enthusiastic if God asked me to do that. But she chose her calling even though it meant choosing a life that didn't look like everyone else's. Beyond just being a teen mom and being pregnant out of wedlock, people thought she was crazy. People thought she was a liar, but she chose her calling, even though that meant she was going to live a little differently than everybody else and then the people around her. And what I love about this is it seems like her attitude was that, you know, other people didn't under, have to understand the way that she lived because other people didn't understand her calling, and that was okay. And, you know, I've encountered that in my life some. There are people in my life, they don't understand the way I live, but that's okay because they don't understand my calling. They're not called to that. It doesn't bother me if my life looks a little different than theirs because I know my purpose is different than theirs. I know that I'm living the way I live for my calling, and it doesn't bother me when people don't understand how I live or why I don't watch things or why I'm not doing certain things because they don't understand my calling and that's okay. They don't have to. It's mine, not theirs. So it doesn't bother me when my coworkers are making jokes about me or whatever and you know, it's okay. They don't understand my calling. So they're not going to understand the way that I live. They don't know they're called, right? They're lost people. You can't blame lost people for living like lost people. But don't worry if people don't understand the way you live. They might not understand your calling, and that's okay. And, you know, sometimes there's even been people in church who, who don't understand the way that I do things or maybe some decisions I make. That's okay. They don't understand my calling. They don't have to. This isn't about them. This is between me and God. And I know that the reward on the other side of this is so great. I mean, thank God Mary said yes because we're here today because she said, yeah, I'll look like a fool. I'll look like a crazy person. I'll walk through this, you know, difficult thing you've asked me to do. I'll, I'll live in a way that doesn't make sense to other people because I know What's on the other side of it? We're the result of Mary choosing God's plan and choosing to live differently and choosing, you know, for people to think she was a little different or a little nutty. We're here today because she was willing to do that. So you don't always know what's on the other side of you choosing God's calling. You know, today, it's something as dumb as me maybe not watching this TV show. I'm going to spend some extra time in prayer. But I don't know maybe who I'm going to lead to Jesus in two years as a result of the way that I'm living. These small sacrifices sacrifices that I make now when nobody's watching, when it's not exciting, when I'm at home by myself. You know, I don't always know what's on the other side of that, but I know that there's a reward and I know that I will be so grateful when I'm looking in the face of that person who's meeting Jesus. You know, when I have the opportunity to bring somebody into God's family, that TV show's not going to matter. And those, those hours that I spent in prayer will be so worth it when I'm standing in front of the reward and in front of the fruit of choosing God's calling. When you think about it that way, it puts things into so much perspective. And you can see how small these little things are. Like I said, so much we sacrifice just for the sake 
of entertainment or having fun or, or you know, wanting something to do on a Friday night. And it's, it's so much more than that. Those small things that you do for God, that you do when nobody else is around, those moments when you choose to read your Bible, those are doing more in your life than you think. The good decisions you make are doing more in your life than you realize, just like the bad decisions, right? When I go to the detention center, <laughs> you know, most of those, those people that I'm talking to, when they got caught and they got put in jail, <laughs> whatever they were doing, that wasn't the first time they did it, right? We talk to them, say, hey, you didn't get in trouble overnight, right? You've been doing this for six months and then you finally got busted. Or you started doing something small, it turned into something big. Now you're wearing orange and I'm talking to you today, right? Things start small. So we don't always realize the impact of our bad decisions until we're getting smacked with the consequences. But listen, you don't always realize the, the result of your good decisions until you're getting smacked with the reward. It goes both ways. Nothing happens overnight, but that's why the Bible talks about sowing seeds so much. It was an agricultural society, that's true, but I think we can look at that and say, hey, you remember when you had to, like, do you guys plant little plants, um, I think, like, lima beans in first grade? I think that's what it was. Did everybody here do that? Your little bean didn't grow overnight. <laughs> you guys did it. Okay, well... Back in the day before technology, we planted lima beans for a science project in first grade. <laughs> I forget sometimes. I'm a lot older than you guys. But the point is, the concept of sowing something and planting something is that you have to wait before you really see anything. Let's Okay, since you guys don't know the lima bean, let's say I had, like, uh, seeds for apples, apple trees, okay? So if I plant those apple seeds and I go out the next day and I throw a fit because there's no tree and no apples, you guys would all think I was crazy, correct? Because we know those things don't grow overnight. In fact, sometimes they take years to grow. Well, the Bible uses that analogy a lot. It's saying, hey, you are planting seeds. What does that mean? When I read something about sowing seeds, I automatically know, okay, that means when I do it, I will see nothing. I will feel nothing. I won't get any reward. Nothing good will be happening. It takes time for things to grow. But if I plant a seed for an apple tree and I take care of it like I should, in 10 years, I'm going to have a beautiful tree with apples. Our life decisions are the same way, right? Just because you're doing good things today doesn't mean your life will change overnight. Or it doesn't mean, uh, you know, money's going to start pouring into your house tomorrow just because you gave a dollar in the offering. We're planting seeds. Seeds take time. But, man, when the reward comes and when that fruit finally shows up, it makes everything worth it. So we've got to, to be people um, that live with the future in mind. And there's a book I love and one of the big points in that book is to begin with the end in mind. I'm not thinking about today. I'm thinking about where I'm going to be in a year and the people that I'm going to be meeting in two years and the people that I can lead to Jesus in five years. And I'm thinking about the future. My decisions I'm making today are not about today. They're about stuff that's down the road. But I've been alive long enough now that I am walking in the fruit of decisions I did make 10 years ago. When I was your age and the times that I did have to cut friends out of my life or cut off relationships or choose to not go to the movies with all my friends, lots of times my parents made that choice for me. However, <laughs> the point is I'm enjoying the rewards of that today. You know, I'm enjoying the benefits and the fruit of that today. And so many times we're so distracted by what we feel 
right now and what we see right now and what's available and being offered to us right now when we've got to think about the future I'm so thankful that Mary thought about the future and said no I'm gonna walk worthy of this calling I know this is huge I'm gonna have to be uh, mocked and laughed at and make people think I'm crazy not only that but then this child's gonna be born and I have to raise the son of God no pressure, hope he turns out fine, you know, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose to walk differently, I'm gonna walk in holiness, I'm gonna walk worthy of my calling, because I know that it's worth it for the future, that was her response, she said, I, I get to be a mother of the son of God, she was looking down the line, she was remembering those prophecies of a savior, she knew what he was gonna bring to the world, but she had to make decisions today that would make that possible 30 years in the future, So as we close tonight, I want to go back to Ephesians 4. And I want to read it again. Because it says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. And I think it's really interesting that Paul is choosing to say, that he's begging you, different translations say imploring you or urging you, but it's more than just a suggestion. It's like I can hear the desperation in his voice to say, I am begging you to live a life that's worthy of your calling because it is so worth it. Paul knew that it was worth it. He gave up a lot to follow Jesus. He came from money. He came from a great family, a good background, a wonderful education. He left all that behind. I'm grateful that things that I've left behind for God, they've been small and they've been easy. So it's not that big a deal. But Paul said, hey, I beg you, please, please walk worthy of your calling because the reward will be so worth it. And listen, the joy that I have today is so worth it. The fact that I don't struggle with depression and anxiety like I did even like 12 months ago, man, it makes it so worth it every day to walk in freedom. So if I could say something to you guys as we close tonight, I'm begging you, I am begging you, walk worthy of your calling. Choose to walk in holiness. Make those good decisions now because it is just so worth it. I can't even tell you how worth it it is to walk worthy and to choose that calling even when it seems hard or difficult because the reward is so great and there is just nothing like, you know, being in a position where God can use you and he can speak to you and lead you because that's what you were created for. That's how you were designed to live. So if you're actually able to get into that and walk that way, it's the most satisfying life that could ever be made available to you and the most just freeing life and joyful life. So as we go into 2020, I'm saying I am begging you, walk worthy of your calling. It is so worth it. And I know that if you ask God to speak to you more about your future, I pray that to you about you guys like all the time. That was like all I cared about when I was in middle school and high school was just like, tell me what I'm called to do, God. I got to (laughs) know. So I pray that for you guys because it's important. You know, I was desperate to know that because I knew everything in my life had to hinge on that. So, you know, I understand that I'm not poking fun of you if you feel that way. And I pray that for you guys. But I know that if you spend extra time in prayer and you choose to live life in a way that's holy and that's clean, that God will not only show you what you're called to do, but begin to speak to you, things will just fall off your life. Things that have been hard and things that have held you back 
You don't even have to try to get rid of them. When you really get with God and clean your life up, those things just fall off. And one day you just realize, like, wow, I'm not depressed anymore, and I can't even remember the last time that I felt depressed. You know, like, it's just God transforms you overnight. So please, together, let's make that decision. As we go into 2020, we're going to live holy, and we are going to walk worthy of our calling. Can you guys commit to that with me? Awesome. I love you guys so much. I'm sorry because I feel like I sounded like a crazy person tonight. I knew this was going to be how it came out. (laughs) Sometimes I get real excited and it just explodes. I knew it was going to go that way. But I hope that you you heard just the authenticity in what I'm saying because I do feel so strongly about this because I know that it's true. It's been so true in my life. So before we go, I do want to just spend some time, uh, just a minute, praying for you guys. So if you all would bow your head. Father, we come to you with so much anticipation and excitement for what you're going to do in us in this new year. I thank you for every single person that's in this room right now, Father, that you have called them to a calling that is important and that is special. And we ask you now together as a church family, Father, to speak to us in a new way. As we go into this new year, Father, we want to know what we're called to do. We want to understand even more our purpose. We want to hear your voice more clearly. So, Father, as we make the decision to spend time in prayer and to walk worthy of our calling, Father, and walk in the holiness that you've demonstrated for us, we know that you will respond, Father. You will reward our efforts and reward our faithfulness. And I thank you for every single person that's in here, Father, right now. I just speak your blessing over them as we go into a new year. I speak new joy and new peace over them as we go into a new year, Father. And I thank you for stirring us up about everything that you are going to do here at the quarry for next year. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for being here and keeping a sweet look on your face for me tonight. And I genuinely hope that you guys have a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful new year. And I hope that you know how much, you know, I love you, but also your leaders. As we go into next year, please thank your leaders. We have like 20 leaders at the quarry, which is kind of crazy. Way to go, Noah. Are you doing a thank you right now as we speak? Amen. (laughs) But really, your leaders love you more then you know they probably spend more money on you than you know. They pray for you more than you know. So be grateful for them as we head into the new year. But on behalf of all the leaders, I think we can all say that we are truly honored and very excited to be doing life with all of you because we love you guys so much. And I'll stop talking now. You're dismissed.